Attention, all troops. He's alive. Alive. Welcome to the Retroist. Night Rider was very popular in my town, just like every big action show in the 80s. I had several friends named Sean, and one of those Seans called me up one day and said, Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. My family got a car, and it's just like Knight Rider. Now, if you've seen Knight Rider, Knight Rider's a sleek black Trans Am with the T-tops and the little red light at the front that looks like a Cylon. So when he mentioned that he had a car that looked like Knight Rider, my young head just about exploded. I was flabbergasted. He said, you got to see this thing. It has a digital dashboard and all these crazy cool features and, and it talks. Now, I wasn't born yesterday, so I was skeptical, of course, but I was enthralled. I said, well, I'll be over. He said, well, wait, my mother's actually not home right now. Why don't you come over tomorrow and I'll show it to you and we can play. When I finally settled in to go to bed, I was still a bit skeptical. But as I laid there in bed, I started having these fantasies about the Knight Rider car and how awesome it would be to own it. I got so worked up that I went down to talk to my mother about it. She was still up but getting ready for bed. I said, Ma, is it possible that somebody could own a Knight Rider car? And she asked me what I was talking about and I explained myself. And she knew that that family had a little bit more money so that maybe they could get a nice car. And once she said that it's possible, I couldn't fall asleep at all. It was like Christmas. Tomorrow, I was going to go sit in the Knight Rider car. Mind you, at that point, all skepticism had vanished. Next morning, I woke up. I waited till a reasonable time and ran over to Sean's house. I didn't see a Knight Rider car. There was a brand new car in the driveway, but it was tan and not sleek at all. I knocked on the door, waited. Sean came out and then proceeds to show me this Knight Rider car, which, although very cool, was not exactly what I had in mind. It was a Chrysler New Yorker, and it was a nice one, fully loaded. And the seats did move, and it did have an electronic dashboard and a really cool-looking radio. And he was right, it did speak. It did say, the door is ajar, which was really kind of cool at the time. But it didn't have T-tops or a turbo boost or an unbreakable outer shell. It was a bit of a letdown, but Sean's enthusiasm for the car and the fact that his mother permitted us to play in it all day won me over to the car. And from that point on, the Chrysler New Yorker would always, to me, be associated with the future, optimism, and of course, class. On today's show, we're going to talk about the real Knight Rider. We're going to talk about the show's plot, its reception, the actors. So without further ado, let's start the show.
Knight Rider was produced by Glenn A. Larson. Glenn A. Larson had a background in doing lots of successful TV shows in the 70s and 80s. But he's kind of known for taking other products and giving them a little twist and repackaging them. For example, he did Battlestar Galactica, and everybody complained that that was sort of a ripoff of Star Wars. He did Buck Rogers, which was pulled directly from the 1930 Buck Rogers serials. With Knight Rider, he was looking to the Lone Ranger and thought, well, I'm going to do a Western, but I want to set it in the current time period, which at the time was the early 80s. So, of course, the Lone Ranger would be driving a car, and Larson had a background in doing science fiction type films, so the car would be much more advanced. In his own words, he said simply, I wanted to do the Lone Ranger with a car. Kind of a sci-fi thing with the soul of a Western. And this is exactly what you get with Knight Rider. It was a show about a high-tech do-gooder who has a powerful ability to solve crimes and one of the ultimate gadgets and sidekicks. The talking car is actually integral to the concept of Knight Rider, especially according to Brandon Tartikoff, who was head of programming at NBC during the 80s, and a TV legend. It is said that the inspiration for Knight Rider came out of their offices before they gave it to Glenn Larson. The concept was actually based on a joke, because at the time, he had a big problem with trying to cast handsome men in his TV shows because none of them could act. So him and his assistant came up with this humorous concept for a TV show called The Man of Six Words. And here's how the plot of that show would go. Each show would begin with the leading man getting out of a woman's bed and saying thank you. Occasionally in the show, the leading man would say okay when receiving orders from a boss. Then he would chase down the villains and say freeze. Finally, when the people he had saved from death would thank him, he would say you're welcome. Then his sidekick, who was a talking car, would do all the rest of the talking. Now, Tartikoff had meant all of this to be humorous, but executives in NBC thought it was pretty funny and decided that it would be a good idea to greenlight the idea of a show about a man with a talking car. It was approved for development and obviously fell into the capable hands of Glenn Larson. Hi, this is Eileen Graff. You know, I played the mom on Mr. Belvedere. Yeah, well, you are listening to The Retroist. Many people, actually, who watch Knight Rider have no concept of the origin of Michael Knight. In the opening episode of Knight Rider, a young Michael Long, who's an undercover detective, is shot and badly injured. There's actually a lot of information about Michael Arthur Long. He was born January 9th, 1949, outside of Los Angeles, and was raised in a blue-collar family. In 1969, at the age of 20, Long joined the Army and was a Green Beret, and spent three years in counterintelligence work in Vietnam. He was captured once and fought his way bravely out of a POW camp, incurring an injury which required brain surgery and a metal plate being inserted in his head. After getting out of the military, he joined the LAPD and was doing undercover work when, on August 8, 1982, while on special assignment, he is betrayed by an informant and nearly killed by a gunshot wound to the head. Oh, and here's the twist. That very metal plate that he got from the injury in Vietnam deflected the bullet, saving his life, but the round still caused heavy facial damage. It is on that day that he begins the transformation from Michael Long to Michael Knight. How, you ask? Well, while he's in this bad state, along comes Wilton Knight. Wilton Knight is played by Richard Basehart, and he's a dying millionaire who rescues Michael Long and gives him plastic surgery, which gives him a new face. He gets a new identity and is offered a chance to make a difference with his life, to join the Knight Foundation. 
of course he accepts and he gets a sidekick and the sidekick is the supercar kit kit stands for the knight industries 2000 simple k-i-t-t wilton knight appears in the pilot for the original knight rider and Basehart died shortly after filming that pilot on September 17, 1984. With Wilton Knight dead, the task of running his foundation falls to his trusted associate, Devin Miles. This foundation was called the Foundation for Law and Government, or FLAG, and was run from a palatial estate. So now that you got a little background, you should know a little bit about the plot of the show if you've never seen it. Each week, Michael and Kit go out on an adventure. And he was accompanied every week by a mobile command post, which was this large truck accompanying him on almost all of these missions in one form or another is Devin Miles, who gives him his mission, a female mechanic, who in three of the seasons is Bonnie and one of the seasons is April, and in the last season of the show they add a truck driver, RC. So now they have a great list of characters and a great backstory and plot. They just needed the right people to fill those roles. Right off the bat, they landed the perfect person to play Michael Knight. TV legend David Michael Hasselhoff. Before landing that role, Hasselhoff had played Dr. William Snapper Foster Jr. on the soap opera The Young and the Restless from 1975 to 1982. In 1979, he played the role of Simon in Star Crash. But it was in 1982 that his big break would come along, and Hasselhoff would land the role of a lifetime as Michael Knight. Hasselhoff stayed with the series from 1982 to 1986. He reprised the role in Knight Rider 2000 in 1991, and he made a cameo in 2008's Knight Rider. Hasselhoff has a really good attitude about Knight Rider. He has said about the show, it was a phenomenon. It was bigger than Baywatch ever was. And that's pretty big because Baywatch was a huge hit all around the world. He definitely took the role of Michael Knight seriously and described the acting he needed to do for the series as rather difficult. He said, and I quote, It was a little more difficult than if you had a regularly well-written script. Like if I was going to be in, say, Reservoir Dogs or The Godfather or Dances with Wolves or Lawrence of Arabia or ER, I had to talk to a car. So Hasselhoff believes that working as Michael Knight is just as challenging or more challenging than working on, say, something like The Godfather. I guess Hasselhoff brought his soap opera influences with him when he came to Knight Rider, because not only did he play Michael Knight, he also played Wilton Knight's biological son, Garth Knight. And the backstory goes that at the time of Michael's surgery, Garth was imprisoned in Africa. Believing his son would never come home again, Wilton had Michael's face modeled after Garth. Garth shows up in the second season of the show, driving a truck called Goliath. And at least for two episodes, he is the main nemesis of Michael Knight. The second character on Knight Rider, and he is certainly second to none, is Kit, the Knight Industries 2000. As I mentioned, Kit was built by Wilton Knight. Kit's main power comes from the fact that he is aware that he is endowed with artificial intelligence, and the cybernetic processor that's in him was at first used by the U.S. government. But Wilton decided that although it would be useful for the government to have such an intelligence running things, it would be better off if it was put into a Trans Am. Kit wasn't actually the first car to be endowed with this intelligence. There was a, another vehicle called CAR, K-A-R-R, -R, the Knight Automated Roving Robot. And this was one that was built to actually do all the work by himself without a partner. Unfortunately, the self-preservation mode on the vehicle proved to be too much to handle and car was deactivated and placed in storage. And Kit was built and given to Michael. 
car was later accidentally reactivated by thieves in the episode Trust Doesn't Rust. He was thought destroyed in that, but showed up again in an episode called Kit vs. Car. In that episode, he was assumedly destroyed. But Car would show up one more time, this time in Knight Rider the Game for the PC and PlayStation 2. Kit, of course, had a microprocessor and a molecular bonded shell that made it almost impervious to damage, but it also had almost every other cool James Bond-like gadget. It had turbo boost. It had super sensors that could pick up sound and video. It had a grappling hook. It had oil jets and smoke screens, a microwave jammer. Just about anything Michael could want in any episode would show up in the car, often very conveniently. The distinctive voice for Kit was provided by William Daniels. William Daniels is an American actor. I knew him best as John Adams in the musical 1776 before hearing him on Knight Rider. He would later go on to play Mr. Feeney in Boy Meets World and Dr. Mark Craig in Sane Elsewhere. He has one of those really great distinctive voices. Next up is Devin Miles, who was the leader of Flag. Devin, like Michael and Kit, was one of the characters that appeared in almost every episode of Knight Rider during its original run. Devin would give the mission to Michael, and when Flag would come under scrutiny or observation, he was the public spokesman for the organization. He was played by the great Irish actor Edward Mulhair. Mulhair was born in 1923 in Cork, Ireland, and he passed away on May 24, 1997, after a battle with lung cancer. Mulhair worked almost nonstop from 1955 to 1997, and besides appearing on Knight Rider, he was reunited with the Hoff for Baywatch Nights in the last year of his life, 1997, where he appeared as Dr. Lancaster. Knight Rider had two female mechanics. During season one, Patricia McPherson played Bonnie Barstow. She served as the chief mechanic and kind of a love interest for Michael. After the first season, she was dropped from the show, but due to strong fan reaction and lobbying by Hasselhoff and Mulhair, she returned to the show during the third season and remained for the entire series. During that second season, she was replaced by Rebecca Holden, who played April Curtis during that season. When season three came, April was gone and was never heard from again. The last person to join Team Flag would be Peter Paros, who played Reginald Cornelius III, also known as RC3, in season four. RC3 would become the driver of the flag mobile unit, the truck where Kit would drive into between missions, and occasionally would act as a sidekick to both Michael and Kit out in the field. One little thing I'd like to talk about that truck. You ever notice when he would drive into that truck, it was very tight. It almost looked like Kit wasn't going to even fit in there. Yet, when he would get in there, he could open the doors freely, move around, sit down on the couch, be really comfortable. It's a strange disconnect. I'd be remiss if I didn't end by talking about my favorite villain, Garth Knight, who I mentioned earlier, who was played by David Hasselhoff. Garth appears in an episode called Goliath, and Goliath is this semi-truck that's coated with the same indestructible molecular bonded shell as Kit. And so you have car versus truck, brother against brother. It's such an over-the-top moment, and he's such a great villain that by the end of the episode, you're just hoping that he's brought back for a future episode. He does appear again in an episode called Goliath Returns, which was in the same season. At the end of that episode, Goliath and Garth drive off a cliff and into the sea. And we assume Garth is dead this time. Now here's a fun question, especially for those who've never seen Garth. Can you guess what makes Garth look different from Michael Knight? If you guessed a goatee, the universal symbol of evil, you'd be on the right track. Knight Rider officially premiered on September 26, 1982, and it would eventually run for four seasons, ending on August 8, 1986. 
The real surprise about the show, while although it was very popular, it was never what would be called a ratings darling. It did well, but during its entire run, it never finished up in the top ten for Nielsen ratings. But it stayed fairly consistent for the first three seasons. But by the fourth season, the magic was gone, and it was obvious to most everyone that the show would be cancelled. But even though the show ended in 1986, that didn't mean that its influence was dead. There was a spin-off show called Code of Vengeance, which revolved around Vietnam vet David Dalton, and he appeared in a two-part episode of Knight Rider called Mouth of the Snake. That show only lasted for five episodes during the 1985-1986 season. In 1991, a sequel movie was made about Knight Rider called Knight Rider 2000. In this forgettable little film, Michael comes out of retirement to rebuild Kit, who has been disassembled, and basically pass the torch to another group of crime fighters. To me, the movie is notable because it has a great guest appearance by James Scotty Doohan. He gets mistaken for a criminal and electrocuted, and then starts rambling all sorts of Star Trek lines. Great stuff. In 1994, there's another Knight Rider movie called Knight Rider 2010. This one's more of a Mad Max takeoff and was made for the Universal Television's action pack. It was very loosely based on Knight Rider. In 1997, Team Knight Rider was introduced as a spin-off of Knight Rider. This one was set sometime in the future and had a fleet of intelligent vehicles. Michael Knight was in the final episode of the first series, but that Michael Knight was not played by David Hasselhoff, and that was a cliffhanger that was supposed to be explained in the next season. The show was not very good, and the second season was never commissioned. So Knight Rider fans are forced to wait 10 long Knight Rider free years. But then, NBC announced that they would be creating a two-hour pilot for a reborn Knight Rider. Justin Bruning was brought on to play the estranged son of Michael Knight, and it would be based directly on the original show, right down to a cameo by David Hasselhoff as Michael himself. One of the bigger differences would be that Kit was no longer a Trans Am, but instead was portrayed as a Ford Shelby GT500 KR Mustang. The voice of Kit in the new series would be provided by Val Kilmer. The pilot premiered and got really good ratings, good enough that NBC announced that it would return as a weekly series beginning in the fall of 2008. The show aired at Wednesdays at 8, premiered at September 24, 2008, and NBC announced that they would do a complete 22-episode season. Unfortunately, the ratings were not very good, and on May 19, 2009, NBC announced that they would not renew Knight Rider for a second season. Knight Rider fans can be happy, though, because throughout this time, there has been an attempt to get a Knight Rider movie made. There has been many attempts to get this off the ground. They tried to get Ben Affleck attached to play Michael Knight, and in 2007, Hasselhoff said that the film was in development at Miramax. Glenn A. Larson appeared in 2007 at Nightcon 07 in the UK. Yes, they have Knight Rider conventions out there. At this first appearance he's ever made at a Knight Rider convention, he showed the fans that there is in fact a script for a proposed Knight Rider motion picture. And since that initial appearance, plans have re-begun at the Weinstein Company to bring Knight Rider to the big screen, and the script would be based on the original series pilot, Knight of the Phoenix. From what I understand, the current script will have nothing to do with the recent NBC series. Knight Rider has been released on DVD. Season 1 was released in 2004, Season 2 in 2005, and Season 3 and 4 in 2006. Besides launching a career of David Hasselhoff, Knight Rider has had a longer-term influence. TV shows and music cite Knight Rider all the time. And the show has been broadcast in dozens of countries in many languages still that are being shown today. 
The show has even had books based on it. A whole series written by Glenn Larson and Roger Hill were distributed in the early 80s, and a couple of extras were even put out in the UK, where the show was very popular. As a kid growing up in the 80s, Knight Rider captured for me the perfect car fantasy. It was not just a vehicle that everybody thought looked cool and high-tech, but it was filled with gadgets and had a best friend and sidekick built in. It's still something I dream about owning, and hopefully the technology of the future might one day grant us all our own kit. Thanks for listening to the show. For more retro fun, drop by the website at www.retroist.com. You can follow The Retroist on Facebook. I'm at facebook.com slash retroist and Twitter at twitter.com slash retroist. Thanks for listening to the show, and I hope you have a great weekend. This has been a retrospective production. Goodbye.